Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. We're back in the book of Job. We're starting in uh, chapter 13, around verse 4, and we'll hit the high points of chapters 14 and 15 as well. Job's on his back. Um, his three friends um, have, uh, you know, come sort of like to cheer him up, but it's not turned into that. It's turned into they're tearing him down. They're trying to get him to say, I'm sorry. They're trying to get him to repent. And Job doesn't want to repent. Job's saying, look, I don't feel I have anything to repent for, number one. Number two, you guys aren't being friends to me. You're just, you're saying all these things to make yourself feel good and look good, you know? And they're just sort of missing both of them, the acknowledgement of God. They are missing the patience of God. They are missing forgiveness. What it is to be forgiven, what it is to forgive one another. And, you know, there. yes, it is a story of Job losing all his family and losing his health and his possessions. Yes, it is that. But I think, you know, we can see it's more of a story of how people feel justified before the before God or how they feel justified before God when they justify one another in each other's eyes. How do you measure up compared to somebody else? If you look like you're doing a little bit better compared to somebody else, you feel like you're right with God, more right with God than some other person. Isn't it interesting how human nature works? Isn't it interesting how the human mind and the human heart works? We wake up and we feel like we're having a good day. We must be right with God. We wake up and we're in trouble. We need to get close to God. We wake up and we don't care anymore. Well, we think, well, I'm out of God's will. Or maybe I don't care anymore. Or that other person disagrees with me. They must not be in God's will compared to me, of course. Isn't it interesting? Job is almost like a book of judgment. How do you judge? How do you be judged? How are you judged? 
And how can you square up that judgment with forgiveness? What does it take? Does it take compassion and mercy and love? Yes. But even with all those human traits, we still can't get right with God. It is talking about Jesus Christ over and over and over without mentioning His name. Let's jump in. Job, flat on his back, trying to answer his friends. As for you, you whitewash with lies, worthless physicians are you all. Oh, that you would keep silent, you know, shut up. And it would be your wisdom. Hear now my argument and listen with pleading lips, pleadings of my lips. Will you speak falsely for God and speak deceitfully for Him? Will you show partiality towards Him? Will you plead the case for God? What are you trying to do? Are you just trying to whitewash, whitewash my situation so you can look better? He will surely rebuke you, verse 10, if in secret you show partiality. In other words, you're showing favoritism of your own situation rather than mine. You're just judging me falsely. He's saying you're judging me falsely. And then don't you know that if you claim to judge somebody else falsely, you're not going to be in the right standing before God? Verse 10, he will surely rebuke you if in secret you show partiality. Will not his majesty terrify you and the dread of him fall upon you? Your maxims are proverbs of ashes and your defenses are defenses of clay. Let me have silence and I will speak. In other words, shut up and let me talk. And let me, and let come on me what may. You know, let me say my piece and whatever happens to me is going to happen to me because it's already bad enough already. Though he may slay me, verse 15, I will hope in him. Yet, I will argue my ways to his face. This will be my salvation. So what is he doing here? He's saying, look, you can't answer to me. I can't answer to you. The only person I feel like I need to, you know, try to talk to is God. Whatever he's going to do, I'm hoping in him. I'm not hoping in you or me. But my only salvation is to talk with him. To plead my case. And as it stands again, Job and his friends are off the mark. Because even if he does plead his case before God, before God, he's a worthless sinner. None of us can plead our case before God. And none of us are any better than anybody else. Now we're all trying, but we can't judge one another. Only God can. So, they're all missing the mark. Then Job says, Keep listening to my words, verse 17, and let my declaration be in your ears. Behold, I have prepared my case, and I know that I shall be in the right. Who is there who will contend with me? In other words, Job has done pretty much everything okay according to the rules. You know, and we don't know if this is, you know, before or after the Old Testament law was given. The Old Testament law condemns everybody. But perhaps this was before that. But Job has done everything right. He's followed all the laws of the land. And he says he's in the right. But again, 
This is a, a study of how much we need God because even if you're in the right on every little human thing, you still are separated from God by your sin, your mortality. Who is there, Job asks, verse 19, who will contend with me? For then I would be silent and die. He's saying he needs an advocate, but he doesn't have one. And if he had an advocate to speak for him, then he could just be silent and let the advocate take over. He says, only grant me two things, verse 20. Then I will not hide myself from your face. Verse 21, withdraw your hand far from me and let not dread of you terrify me. In other words, say, just leave me alone. You could put my feet in the stocks and watch all my paths. You set a limit for the soles of my feet. Man wastes away like a rotten thing, like a garment that is moth-eaten. Verse 28. So what is he saying here? Is he's just, I'm going to still hope in God, but no matter what's going to happen, we're all going to die. I mean, this is really, really depressing. He wants to talk to God. But he doesn't want to be around his friends. Because all his friends are going to do is more or less leave him for dead. He knows that in their eyes, he's as good as dead right now. And, and you know, think about your own situation. Wouldn't it be sobering to know what your friends really think of you? Well, you, you kind of see what they think of you right now when you're healthy, but you might find out what they really think of you more when you're flat on your back. How truthful is your husband or wife to you, your children, when you lose your ability to walk or lose your ability for good health or you're dying? You know, life goes on. And the last thing Job wants is somebody around him misjudging him. Or the last thing you could sort of say that Job wants around him is somebody who doesn't love him. Somebody who is without compassion. Oh, it's just like describing a world without Christ, isn't it? Wow. Verse uh, chapter 14 Job is now continuing, and he's basically going to say, we're all going to die anyway. Man who is born of a woman is few of days and full of trouble. He comes out like a flower and withers. He flees like a shadow and continues not. And do you open your eyes on such a one and bring me into judgment with you? Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? There's none. Since his days are determined and the number of his months is with you, and you have appointed his limits that he cannot pass. In other words, he's he's sort of praying to God here, and he's saying, Look, none of us can be clean. Verse 10 But a man dies and is laid low, man breathes his last, and where is he? We drop down to verse 14. If a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my service I would wait till my renewal should come. You would call and I would answer you. You would long for the work of your hands. He is talking about that he knows he's going to die 
And when he dies, he will not realize even who's mourning him. Verse 21, his sons come to honor and he does not know it. They are brought low and he perceives it not. It is a completely defeated, you know, prayer here. He is just done. And then he says, in once you die, you don't even know the impact that your death had on anybody else anyway. Now, we come to chapter 15. This is the second cycle of speeches. So Job has poured his heart back out to his friends. His friends now, they're going to lay into him even worse if you can believe it. Then Eliphaz the Tamanite answered and said, Should a wise man answer with windy knowledge and fill his belly with the east wind? In other words, Job, you're full of hot air. Should he argue in unprofitable talk or in words with which he can do no good? In other words, Job, you're just you're just talking now, making yourself more and more miserable. Nothing good can come out of this. But you are doing away with the fear of God and hindering meditation before God. What he's saying is, is Job, all this talk now is not even honoring God. You are hindering your own repentance, your own prayer before God. Verse 7, are you the first man who was born? Or were you brought forth before the hills? In other words, who do you think you are? Do you think you're special? Verse 8, have you listened to the counsel of God and do you limit wisdom to yourself? You know, do you think you're the smartest person? Verse 10, both the gray hair and the aged are among us, older than your father. In other words, he, there's, these guys are saying, look, we're older than you and we're smarter and we're wiser than you and you don't even listen to us. Verse 14, what is a man? that he can be pure, or he who is born of a woman, that he can be righteous. In other words, nobody can be righteous. Behold, God puts no trust in his holy ones, and the heavens are not pure in his sight. In other words, Job, God doesn't trust anybody in heaven, so he doesn't trust you either. So how can you proclaim some kind of innocence of yourself before God? You don't even... You're not even close enough to God for him to even consider trusting you. The only thing you should do, Job, is repent. And then the rest of chapter 15 goes on to Eliphaz is just throwing out images of someone lost in sin, needing to repent and not doing so, even if they lose his kids or children. And my study Bible kind of comments that it is really showing a lack of um, compassion on Job to start talking about the emptiness of losing children, things like that. It's, you know, really so without mercy at this point. These are just raw arguments now. And it just goes to show you sometimes the hollowness of trying to correct someone, trying to argue with someone, trying to disagree with someone, trying to change someone's mind, if there's no love, compassion, or mercy. These are just 
platitudinal arguments going back and forth like a ping pong game. We're going to stop here. What a sobering situation. And this is our situation too. But God's not allowed us to be put in it. But He could. He told us that He allowed Job to be put in it. This could happen to any of us. And God has a sovereign plan for all of us. But the point is, is we can't do anything without God. And we have to learn from this on how not to judge one another, but how to talk one with one another and to love one another. It's a lesson on how to have mercy and compassion and kindness and forgiveness. It's a lesson in what we hope for. Without Christ, we have no hope. Without Christ, we have no joy. Without Christ, we have no peace. Nobody's pure. That's true. Nobody's righteous. That's true. But what it is true is to acknowledge God and His love for us that we do have hope. We do have righteousness from Christ. We're going to stop here. We'll turn the rest of the podcast over to our co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. Look forward to hearing your take on this study today. And as always, from me to all of you, keep your heart centered on Christ on this great spiritual battlefield. And it is a battlefield. And we'll see you next time as we continue our study through the book of Job. And as always, our prayers go up for sweet Emma and sweet Jean. Hello, so today's teaching is coming from Job chapter 13, beginning at verse 1, all the way through to Job chapter 15, verses 1 through to verse 16. So here we have Job's answer to Zophar, and afterwards his friends will actually make another round of trying to break Job down. That's um, um, Eliphaz and Bildad. So, you know, they've already had a first go at it. And we saw in our last study yesterday that Zophar was done um, with his um, with his questions and with his interrogation of Job. So they are trying to get Job to admit that he's committed some secret sin and to confess this particular sin. And Job doesn't have any great sin to confess. That is, you know, a sin of the flesh that would be like immorality or worldliness or, you know, such kind of a sin. So at this particular point, they are not... um, talking into Job's situation. So worldly sin is not Job's problem. In Job's third answer, he's actually, that's in the answer he's giving to Zophar, he's actually becoming bitter and sarcastic. So, you know, because this is a sick man and they're not talking into his situation. They're not helping him. So now he's just, you know, getting bitter. So in chapter 13, he, that's Job, suggests that he probably should 
bypass his friends and um, appeal to God directly because they are misrepresenting him. So, okay, we begin reading in verse 1 of Job chapter 13. Behold, my eye has seen all this. My ear has heard and understood it. So Job's responding to Zophar's interrogation. Verse 2, what you know, I also know I am not inferior to you. So Job's saying, you know, I'm equally like on high standing and good level of understanding like you. Verse 3, that I would speak to the Almighty and I desire to reason with God. Verse 4, but the forgers of liars, you are all worthless physicians. So they hadn't actually, his friends, Job's two friends, hadn't actually diagnosed his case at all. And they were therefore not as helpful. Verse 5, we're going to read. Oh, that you would be silent and it would be your wisdom so job's saying you know the best thing for them to do is to actually just keep quiet and that would actually be smarter than what they are saying verse six doesn't read now hear my reasoning and heed the pleadings of my lips verse seven will you speak wickedly for god and talk deceitfully for him so Job speaks back to them. So in other words, when they are accusing Job of committing some awful great sinner sin and that God is judging Job, they are actually dealing deceitfully for God. So they are not representing God as they should. So Job knows this and recognizes this. If they could only bring Job to the place where he could see himself as he really is. But they put him on the def- defense, you know, by his their interrogation. They're putting Job on the defense. And as a, resu- as a result, he's actually making a case for himself. But it makes it look bad for God. It looks like God is to blame in this. So these friends are not helping Job at all. And so he goes on in this particular vein. Verse 8, listen to read. Will you show partiality for him? Will you contend for God? Will it be well when he searches you out? Or can you mock him? For can you mock him as one mocks a man? He will surely rebuke you if you secretly show partiality. So Job is coming back at them. He's actually saying God will actually judge them for misrepresenting him. So he's like now taking the case back to them. Verse 11 goes on to read. Will not his excellence make you afraid? And the dread of him fall upon you. Your platitudes are proverbs of ashes. Your defenses are defenses of clay. Hold your peace with me and let me speak. Then let come 
unto me what may. Why do I take my flesh in my teeth and put my life in my hands? So in all this, Job's faith actually still stands strong and his friends have now become a stranger to him. Verse 15 goes on to read and put, sorry, verse 15 reads, sorry, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Even so, I will defend my own ways before him. So this is Job's great faith, even at this particular point. But the friends have not got at the root cause of Job's trouble at all. And we'll actually see it later on. And it starts to actually come out here. So we get to see what the real problem is. So Job says he can actually go into God's presence and, you know, defend himself. You know, the minute one actually starts defending themselves to God, one will actually lose their case. When one goes in God's presence, one pleads guilty because he knows, because God actually, yeah, God knows us. He would actually, we would go before God, we should go before God as guilty sinners. So God has a mercy seat because the blood of Jesus Christ is on it and he paid the penalty for our sin and that's the only way we will get off so job really needs someone to represent him before god and keep him from defending himself and let him not cast himself on the mercy sorry and let him cast himself on the mercy of god verse 16 goes on to read he also shall be my salvation, for a hypocrite could not come before him. So Job, you know, has these, you know, bright spots, light spots that are in his life, despite, you know, him having this particular problem and going through all these things he's going through, but these bright spots that come out. So he says God is his salvation. So God is our salvation. Salvation is not something one can actually lose, like Dr. J.B. McGee put it. It's, like, it's not like a penny that you put in your pocket and you can easily lose. No, salvation today is Christ. So one can't say, you're going to lose your salvation. I'm going to lose my salvation. Christ died for our sins. And that is itself is salvation. So salvation today is Christ. You can either have him or you don't. You either trust him or you don't. Um, so... So yeah, you can trust him or you don't trust him. So there is no other alternative. There is no other way into him. It's either you're for him or you're against him. So he's the only out for us. There's no other way. So Job has a glimmer of light and it's actually wonderful. Verse 17 goes on to read, Listen carefully to my speech. And to my declaration with your ears. So Job says, listen, you smarty pants, listen to me. Verse 18 goes on to read, see now I have prepared my case. I know that I shall be vindicated. So Job, you know, once um, won't be actually justified because somebody else has justified 
So Job thinks that he has a good case even before God. And a lot of people are actually like Job. They actually think they can stand before God and defend themselves. You know, based on who they are or what they gave or, you know, things like that. But we all have already been condemned before God. We are lost sinners. So man, by nature, man's just in rebellion against God. That's just how man is. Man's rebellion against God. And we have this rebellious kind of heart. Verse 19 goes on to read, Who is he who contend with me? If now I hold my tongue, I perish. So Job, at the beginning, if you remember, we had actually spoken about this quite a bit. He actually wanted to die because he wished he hadn't been born. Now he says, if he holds his tongue, he will perish. And that's just how man is. If you look at Job's Job's indecision, indecisiveness, that's just how man is. We have a lot to actually say. And what we say most of the times, we don't mean. Verse 20 goes on to read, Only two things do not do to me, then I will not hide myself from you. Withdraw your hand far from me, and let not the dread of you make me afraid. So he's telling God what to do here. Okay, and a lot of us do this in our prayers. You know, prayer is to actually show us that there's something wrong and not to make demands and tell God what we want. So God doesn't move according to our plan and purpose. He moves according to his plan. This is why a lot of us tend to think, oh, you know, I have unanswered prayers. No, we don't. All our plans are actually answered. Even the prayer that we don't get an answer from is an answered prayer from God. Verse 22 goes on to read, then call, and I will answer. Let me speak. Then you respond to me. So Job is telling, um, Job is telling God what to do here. Verse twenty-three goes on to read. How many are my iniquities and sins, and make me know my transgressions and my sin? Why do you hide your face? And regard me as your enemy? Will you frighten a leaf driven to and fro? And will you pursue dry stubble? So Job wants, you know, a showdown with God. That's what he's asking for. So he's saying that he wants to know how many of his sins are that God's actually treating Job as he is. God doesn't owe Job an explanation for anything, but that's what Job is asking for here. So we're beginning to slowly get to the root cause of Job's um, issues. Verse 27, person to read, You put my feet in the stock and watch closely all my paths. You set a limit for the soles of my feet. Verse 28, Man decays like a rotten thing, like a garment, that is moth eaten. So he says that he's just rotting away. That's what's happening to him. And he couldn't see the point in it. So now we get to chapter 14. And chapter 14, it's a great um, eulogy on death. So verse 1 reads, Man who is born of woman is of few days and full of trouble. So this actually statement holds true. Trouble is a common denominator of mankind. We all have trouble in our lives. All of us have had trouble. 
everyone in the whole human family knows about trouble. So Job is speaking on the subject of death and he knows that death is inevitable and that he must depart from this world. Now he has a hope beyond the grave. Verse 2 goes on to read, He comes forth like a flower and fades away. He flees like a shadow and does not continue. So, um, you know, just like the shadow appears when the sun comes up and disappears when the sun goes down. That's, you know, that's how, uh, you know, we will um, pass in this life. Verse 3 goes on to read and... Do not open your eyes on such a one and bring me to judgment with yourself. So we are just like the shadow or flowers down here that's been cut down. That's the flower, a flower that's been cut down or a shadow that disappears. That's how it is. You know, one one day we're blooming, the other we've been cut down. And one day, you know, we have a shadow. The other day, you know, the sun goes down and there's no shadow. Verse 4 goes on to read, Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Out of an unclean? No one. So this is a great truth. Actually, it's a law. So no matter who you are, or, um, you know, no matter who you are, where you're born, no matter who you are, or, you know, where you're born, or whatever it is, um, we're born a sinner. You know, how can, um, how can one be sinless when we're born out of um, sinful creatures? Our parents are sinners and all, and we're born from them. Um, even David said, uh, was it Peter? I can't remember, but you know, there's a saying in Scripture that says, um, I was conceived out of sin. So um, you cannot have a sinless person who's born out of sinful parents. This is law. Verse 5 goes on to read, Since this day, since his days are determined, the number of his months is with you. You have appointed his limits so that he cannot pass. So Job is saying that he feels as a human being he's well hemmed in. So we always uh, we are always walking in the shadows of death uh, from when we're actually born. So the road gets narrower and narrower. Verse 10 goes on to read. Um, but, man, but man dies and is laid away indeed. His breath, his last, and where is he? So um, in his life, a man that's made a tremendous success down here you know he's gone if you look at all the people who have actually been successful they're um actually all gone and uh what good is it what does it actually amount to if you actually just think about it you know everyone's like um everyone dies despite all the um, despite um all the successes that one actually achieves down here. So, you know, without God, it's 
you know, all this is just vanity. Um, that's what um, Job is actually saying here. Okay, so, yeah. Um, verse 14 goes on to read. Um, if man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my hard service, I will wait till my change comes. So Job knew this was coming. You know, he knew there was life after death. Verse 15 goes on to read, You shall call and I will answer you. You shall desire the work of your hand. So even in death, Job says God will call him and he will answer him. We begin to actually see the faith of Job. God's not through with him. So death doesn't end at all. And, you know, this is the hope that we look forward to. Death doesn't end. I'm sorry about that. Um, yeah, I got cut in my first recording, but I'll continue from here. So, like I was saying, death doesn't end at all. As a child of God, you know, we should know death is not the finality. You know, there is life. After death, there is resurrection. So, um, you know, this is a great eulogy on death that we have here from Job. Okay, so now we'll get to chapter 15. In chapter 15, we begin the second round. So, you know, of his friends, Job's friends' interrogations. So Eliphaz, who spoke first, is actually going to speak again. He's going to be the first one to speak. So his Eliphaz, like we had talked about, he's a spiritualist. He's had a dream and he's seen something. So he's had experience. And, you know, most of the times, not all experience is actually... Um, based on the word of God, experience uh, may or may not actually rest upon the word of God. So the word of God is what's important. That's why when you find, you know, certain testimonies in church, you know, you get to ask, okay, it's great. There's a testimony. Is it based on the word of God or not? So not all the time is experience based on the word of God. So scripture reads verse one of chapter 15. Then Eliphaz, the Temanite, answered and said, Verse 2, should a wise man answer his empty knowledge and fill himself with the east wind? So, in other words, he's calling Job windy with a lot of verbiage. Verse 3 goes on to read, should he reason with unprofitable talk or by speech with which he can do no good? So, all they are doing is you know, attacking Job and not actually helping him. And that's not what Job needed, an attack, attack, attack. Job needed, um, you know, helpful talk, something that would talk into his situation. Verse 4 goes on to read, Yes, you cast off fear and restrain prayer before God. Verse 5, For your iniquity teaches your mouth and you choose the tongue of the crafty. So he goes on with here an attack on Job. Dropping down to verse seven, which reads, "Are you the first man of, are you the first man who was born, or were you made before the hills?" So, in other words, he's saying that Eliphaz is saying that Job speaks as if he knows something. All these men are working on a wrong um, penance, uh, penance. Sorry, yeah. So they put Job in a bad light and they have not 
comforted him or let him see or brought him to a place where he could see that he is a man that has a great lack and needs uh and actually needs god he's 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 lacking a lot and um you know and god is actually using this to bring him to this realization drop down to verse 10 verse 10 it reads both the gray-haired and the aged are among us much older than your father so here Eliphaz is saying that um, on their side, they have wisdom, but Job doesn't have um, this wisdom on his side. And that's his argument. That's Eliphaz's argument. Experiences his argument. Verse 14 goes into read. Let's drop down and it reads, what is man? He could be pure and he who is born of a woman, that he could be righteous. So Job is defending himself and trying to say he's not guilty. But these men are working on the premise that Job has committed an awful sin and he should bring it out in the open. Verse 15 goes on to read, um, if God puts no trust in his saints um, and the heavens are not pure in his sight so this is true when the Lord Jesus Christ died he not only died to redeem you and me but his redemption um, but sorry in his redemption there will be a new heaven and earth that will actually come because he redeemed Verse 16 goes on to read, How much less man who is abominable and filthy, who thinks in, who drinks iniquity like water. So this is a true statement. He's saying things that are obvious. That is man in that is man in that day who you know, there was man in that day who didn't have this false prophecy of life and a false psychology that man is a superior creature and the product of evolution and if it there is sorry if there is anything wrong with man it's because man has actually made a few mistakes yeah they were actually men sorry i meant that were men in that day so they believed if man has made a few ma- mistakes and his sin is ignorant or selfishness it can be cured. So this is the assumption. And these men are working from a wrong premise. Um, all in all. Because, you know, you have certain men who actually believe so. Okay, so this is where we end our study today. This has been amazing. Um, we have seen, you know, Job's glimmer of hope. And this is actually very practical for us today. You know, the way Job tends to look at things and the way, you know, Job, is now dialoguing with God and trying to defend himself before God and feeling like, you know, just by virtue of who he is and what he's done and all, he is well hemmed in. And a lot of people tend to think they are well hemmed in, but, you know, they don't look at the root, real problem, um, the root cause of, the prob- of, 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 of who they are. Okay, so this is our study for today. Thank you all very, very much for listening and God bless you all and have a pleasant day. Bye-bye. Thank you.